Grab your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Now, I understand that it's not Christmas. It is July. And because it's not Christmas, you are not supposed to read from Luke chapter 1 and preach from that chapter. But we'll just call it Christmas in July for today. Or is it still July? Yes. Does that sound okay? Just think cool thoughts. Think cold thought. Think, think about snow as we preach this message. Does that sound good? Are y'all okay this morning? I feel like I'm just up here talking. All right. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Favored woman. He makes this statement to her. In verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could possibly mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth, you okay out there, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, and I love what this teenage girl says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Father, I thank you for your presence that's been here today as we come to worship you. You are so faithful to show up and to speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. Lord, let us not leave here the same, but may we leave here filled with your spirit and ready to take on the kingdom of darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, amen, amen. Amen. It's interesting here that God looks down on the earth and he chooses Mary to be the one that will bring Jesus into the world. He says, you are going to be the one to birth the Christ into the world. You are going to be the one that through you, through your loins, through your life, through your body, through everything you do, through, out of you will come the Savior of the world. As I think of it in these terms, and I think about this, this mechanism that God used, a teenage girl, to, to infiltrate the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
Isn't that exactly what God is still doing today? He is looking for people who are willing to be a conduit that through them, Jesus might be introduced to the world. That we would be carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would be carriers of the Spirit of God. That somehow, everywhere we go, God would be released into the world around us. He has always used people and he's still using people today he he chose mary why mary what was it about this young girl and what is it about people today you see there was 400 years where god was silent from the book of malachi to the book of matthew there was 400 years no one's hearing from god no one's seeing god no one's talking with god and suddenly within six months there are two encounters one was with a priest uh, who said your wife who was barren elizabeth is going to have a son his name is going to be john the baptist and he will be the forebearer of christ and then the second six months later was this story of mary now i find this fascinating you see god choose the priest he was uh, one of the leaders in the, in, in, the, in the house of God. And then you see God choose a very common young teenage girl that was just looking to get married and live a normal life. And what I see in this is two things. First of all, that no matter who you are, whether you're the pastor on the stage or whether you're uh, just giving your life to Jesus and, and maybe you serve in the nursery, maybe you don't serve at all, maybe you're just a, a, a attending triumph or just start getting to know Jesus, no matter who you are, God is looking to use people just like you and I. He's looking to speak to people just like you and I. You don't have to wait on God to speak to me to hear from God yourself. He wants to make himself known to you. He wants to show up in your life. Can I declare to you, if you've been looking and trying to hear from God and trying to get a word from God, can I say this to you, that the silent years are over in your life. The silent years are over in your life. God is getting ready to speak to you, to make himself known to you. I want to encourage you to expect a visitation from God. Expect God to speak. When, when you wake up in the morning, I want you to wake up and say, God, are you there? And expect him to respond to you. You see, God doesn't need you to be extraordinary. He just needs you to be willing and he will be all of the extra that you need. What was it that set Mary apart? What is God looking for in us? I'm going to give you five things, five things I see in the life of Mary that I believe God is looking for from you and I. Number one, I think God is looking for people who don't run from the supernatural. You should think about this for a moment. Think about the story. Mary is going about her day. I don't know what she was doing that morning, putting her makeup on, getting dressed, curling her hair, you know, whatever, watching Netflix, whatever she was doing in the morning. And suddenly, an angel appears to her. And I love what Scripture says, because the, the Scripture says she was disturbed and she was confused. But not because there was an angel standing there. She was confused by what he said. How many of you, if you were... You stepped out of the shower, you get your clothes on, you walk out of your bedroom, and suddenly in your kitchen is, 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 there's an angel standing there. How many of you would not be worried about what the angel said, but would be running for the hills because there is an angel in your... 
not married. It's like totally normal to her. She's like, oh, there's an angel. How are you today? And he says, greetings, highly favored one. And she's like, uh, well, that's confusing. How are you confused by what he said and not that there's an angel there? Why? Because she didn't run from the supernatural in her life. As a matter of fact, when you watch further in Jesus' ministry, she's the one, she's the very first one that when Jesus says, woman, it's not my time, she brings the people to him anyway with the buckets and needing wine at the wedding and, and says, whatever he says to you, you do. Why? Because she didn't run from the supernatural. She wasn't afraid of the supernatural. She was looking for it in her life. If we as Christians only accept from God that which we can explain and control, we will limit God in our lives. If you will only allow God to do what is explainable to you, what makes sense to you, we will limit what God is capable of and what He wants to do in our lives. May I encourage you today not to be scared off by the miraculous, not to be worried by the supernatural, but instead expect God to do things in your life that you could never do on your own. Embrace the supernatural. Don't run from it. Uh, we, we live in a world that wants to know why. And I, and I often ask the question why, and, and, we're, and we're looking for things to explain. But there are some times that God is just God, and He is inexplainable. He is inexplicable, and He just wants to do what He wants to do. Embrace that. Number two is this. I believe that God is looking for people who understand that with favor comes responsibility. With favor comes responsibility. Favor isn't just to make us look awesome in front of other people. Favor isn't just, um, you know, I had a friend of mine, he goes to Needleton campus, and years ago, uh, shortly after he came back to church and, and really started getting involved, giving his life to Jesus, he was driving through the parking lot, and he's the guy that will drive around the parking lot like all day long until a front parking spot opens up. You know what I mean? Like he'll just keep circling and circling and circling. And all of a sudden, his 17th lap around the parking lot, somebody comes out right up front. And he stops and he says, see there, that's why we go to church. (laughs) The favor of God isn't just getting a close parking spot so you don't have to walk when it's 107 outside. Ooh, it's been hot this week, haven't it? that's That's not what the favor of God is all about. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm fine with all that part of the favor of God. I, I went to my favorite restaurant the other day. You may have seen me post online. And everybody else gets these little bitty bowls of hot sauce. And they bring me this bucket. I didn't even ask for it. I just walk in and they say, we're coming. And they bring me this big old bucket of hot sauce. I am a hot sauce head. There is no doubt about it. And, and to me, I'm like, man, that is favor right there. But fa- the favor of God isn't just something to make life go easier for us. Favor comes with responsibility. What is the favor of God? What did it mean for her? Um, Two words that were used here, and and this is really cool. I, I said to you she wasn't worried about the angel. She was worried about what the angel said, right? The angel said, you're favored. I don't know if you're here today, but if I were to say over your life, hey, God said that you're favored, you might look at your life and go, I just don't see it, Pastor Raymond. I don't, I, my life doesn't seem to be a life of favor. 
Maybe you came here today and you're like, Pastor Renner, they brought you a big old bowl of hot sauce, but they didn't bring me a big bowl of hot sauce. I didn't get the up-close parking spot. I, I'm not getting yeses when everybody else is getting noes. I'm getting noes while everybody else is getting yeses. There's no favor on my life. Don't worry about what you see today. When God announces over your life that there's favor coming upon you, let me just say to you, favor is coming upon you. Because when you look up the two words, he says it actually twice. He says, you're favored. She doesn't believe him. She's confused. So he says it again, but he uses two different words. One of them is the word charis. It's the same word from which we get grace or the benefits of grace, the work of grace. And the second is this. The second time he says it, he's saying uh, the word is slightly different. It means to be made favored to be made, uh, to be filled with grace. Here's what he's looking at her saying. She says, he, she says, uh, God, uh, angel, I, I don't, my life doesn't reflect favor. And he's like, no worries. God is here. The Lord is with you to make you full of grace, full of favor, full of the benefits of God. And so when we look at God and he says, you are highly favored. And we say, God, I don't really see it. He looks back down at us and he says, don't worry. I'm in the process of making you have favor in your life, having the benefits of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life, having the benefits that accompany salvation. I am bringing them to you. So don't look around and try to convince me that there's no favor on your life. Just say, God, if I don't see it now, you must be in the process of it must be in the process of it. Wherever you are today, whatever you're looking at in your life, know that the favor of God is coming upon you. Expect it. When you go out to a restaurant today, expect a bigger bowl of hot sauce, okay? You just expect that the favor of God is going to be on your life. God's getting ready to do something that you haven't seen and you can't explain. But Mary understood something about the favor of God. It wasn't just to make life wonderful. You see, favor is for service, not just for status. The favor of God has come upon you. Okay, what does that mean? Now you're going to serve God in a way that you never have before, and you're going to birth the Christ child into the world. When the favor of God comes upon you, it isn't just to make your life wonderful, to make you feel great. I hope you do. But it is also that through you, Christ may be released into the world. Favor is for service, not just for status. With favor comes the responsibility of releasing God into the world. Number three, God is looking for people who are willing to take a risk on the impossible. Mary, Mary says to the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. It's like, uh, angel, does God understand the process of how these things happen? I think that's in the message Bible. <laughs> like, like seriously, angel, I, I, I have not done the things it takes to get pregnant. I, I, this, is, this can't be in my life. But do you know that God is not surprised by your limitations? When she said that God was not up in heaven, angel Gabriel looked up at God. He's like, God, did you know? And God's like, I didn't know. We need another plan. Angels are scrambling around. They're bringing lists of names on, on who could be, who was the next on the list. No, God just like, man, did you ever think that your limitations is exactly what God was looking for to use you to do the supernatural? If you could do it on your own, you, he wouldn't need you. He needs someone that's not capable so that through you, God can be given all of the glory. 
God was not limited by her limitations. She was willing to take a a risk on the impossible. Here's what he said. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive the power of the Most High and it will overshadow you. I love that word overshadow you. Overshadow. It means this, to be more important or significant by comparison. Here's what the angel said. I realize you're just a teenage girl. You're just a normal common girl trying to get married. You're a virgin. You can't do this. But when the power of the Most High God comes upon you, it's that power that will be more important, more significant than what you can or cannot do in your life. When the Holy Spirit empowers you in your life and and you are faced with a situation and you look at God and say, God, I can't do this. God is looking down and saying, I'm not worried about you because it's the power of God on you that's more important and more significant. In fact, it goes on to mean this. uh, the, The Greek word, one of the translations is this, to envelop in a haze of brilliancy. Wherever you go, whatever you do, God wants to envelop you in a haze of brilliancy. Everybody looks at you and says, man, that guy is amazing. That woman is amazing. Look at all she's doing. And, and look how great she is. And you're in the, in the, in the middle of this haze, this, this cloud, this fog surrounding you. And everybody thinks you look brilliant and amazing and beautiful. And you're like, if they only knew, but that's God. I want to speak this over your life, that people are going to look at you and see the power of God at work. They're not going to see your limitations. They're going to see God working in your life. Something new, something beautiful is coming upon you. When you go out and say, God, I'm going to do your work in this world, a haze of of brilliancy is coming upon you. The impossible looks good on you. Doing the impossible looks good on you. Why? Because God is with you. It's the same word when Peter was walking down the street after Jesus had died, been resurrected, the Holy Spirit had empowered them. In Acts chapter 5, Jesus is walking down the street and he said that people were lying on their beds and, and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across them. This word fall across there is the exact same Greek word that says overshadow. So what was overshadowing Peter would then fall on them and change their life and miracles were happening and people were getting up out of their beds and walking. Why? Because what was on Peter was falling on to other people. Can I tell you that as you have this haze of brilliancy on your life, when you go through your day, it is not just for you, but it is for everyone around you that what is, on, what is in you would come out of you. I, I love what Jesus said. Jesus said that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It's supposed to flow out, not just flow in and stop up. That through you, the world is impacted with the goodness of God. Are you out there this morning? All right. God's looking for people who are willing to let him interrupt their plans with his purpose. Are you willing to let God interrupt your plans, your schedule, your ideas with his purpose? I want you to think about it for a moment. The angel speaks to Mary, tells her what's going to happen. She accepts the calling, but now she has to go tell her fiancé. How do you think that conversation went? I mean, I'll just be honest with you. If Lindsay had come to me before we were married and say, hey, I've got to tell you. Um, so uh, what had happened was um, I'm pregnant. And, I, you know, I would have said to her something along the lines of, listen, woman, I know what we didn't do. 
and you got some splaining to do. <laughs> All right? How do you think Joseph took that? And yet, she went anyway because now, is she going to get married? Is Joseph going to accept her? Is Joseph going to say, uh, yes, that'll work. I can handle that. Or is Joseph going to throw her out, cast her out? Is he going to reject her? But she didn't care. She was willing to let God interrupt her plans, interrupt her marriage, interrupt her life, interrupt her schedule in, to, in order to do his purpose. Would you be willing to let God interrupt your plans with his purpose? You see, we want God to do, use us on our schedule. We want God to use us the way we see fit. We want God to use us according to what we have envisioned, and yet God is saying, I, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and I have things to do with you that you can't even imagine. Would you be willing to let God interrupt your plans with his purpose? you want to be used by God, you want to introduce Jesus to the world, if you want to let the Spirit of God flow through you, let Him use you on His schedule, not yours. You were planning to live a quiet life, but God wants to interrupt your plans to bring Jesus into your world. And number five is this. God is looking for people who are not afraid of the cost. They're not afraid of the cost. At worst, Mary was facing, she could have been stoned. You remember when they brought the adulterous woman to Jesus and they threw her at the feet of Jesus? And they said, the law says to stone her. You remember that story? Mary, this has to be going through her mind. She knows the law. She knows the potential of what could happen. If it is found that she has been an adulterous woman, she could have been stoned at the worst. At the best, she was going to face ridicule, ridicule and she was, but she was willing to look foolish. She was willing to pay that price for what God was trying to do. You'll never do anything great for God if you're not willing to look a little foolish. If you're not willing to step out by faith. You look at Scripture, and, and from the front cover to the back cover, it's filled with people who are willing to look a little foolish. They were not going to allow fear to stop them from doing the will of God. How foolish did Noah look when he was building an ark? It had never rained before. It had never flooded before. People are looking at Noah, and they're saying, what are you building? He says, an ark. They say, what's an ark? He says, I have no idea. What are you going to do with it? It's for when the floods come. How do floods come? Floods come when it rains too much. What's rain? We don't know. So what are you doing? I'm going to save all the animals and I'm going to save humanity. I'm going to save God's creation through an ark. What, what, what are you talking about, Moses? You're a fool. And they ridiculed and they mocked him. What about Moses? Moses has led millions of Israelites out of bondage in Egypt, but now he's facing the Red Sea. He's got Pharaoh's army behind him and the Red Sea in front of him, and he has a stick. Moses, what are you going to do with the stick? You look like a fool. What, what about David when David says, I'll go face Goliath, and they put all the armor on him, and it's too big. He says, I can't do this. They said, what are you going to go battle with? He said, I'm just going to take my slingshot and five smooth stones. And he goes running at the giant. How foolish did David, the little guy, look when he was running at the giant with his swords and his spears and his armor, and he's got a slingshot. How foolish did David look? How foolish. How foolish did the Israelites look? 
when they're marching around Jericho with a trumpet. How foolish did Jesus look when he was trying to save the world, but yet he was carrying a cross. How foolish did they look? How foolish did, would Mary look when she was saying, I'm pregnant with the Son of God, and I didn't do it. He just he overshadowed me, and he empowered me, and, and that's what's going on. But we can't let fear stop us. Fear of failing, fear of God not coming through, fear of looking foolish in front of other people because God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And, and if we could just have the faith of a mustard seed, we could move mountains, but if, if the fear is controlling us, we won't step out by faith. If we're afraid of what people are going to say, if we're afraid of God not coming through, we won't do anything by faith, but with faith without faith it is impossible to please God could we just step out for a moment because Noah built his ark but he didn't look so foolish when the floodwaters were rising and when Moses raised his stick and the waters began to part and the Israelites crossed on dry land, Moses didn't look foolish anymore. He may have once looked foolish, but he didn't look so foolish anymore. And, and, and when David let that, let that rock fly out of his slingshot and in just a few moments later when he was raising up the head of the giant in front of all of the Israelites and all of the Philistines, he no longer looked like a fool. And when the trumpet sounded, on the seventh day and the seventh lap around Jericho and suddenly the walls began to shake and crumbled until they fell down flat. The Israelites never looked foolish anymore as they were getting a victory only by the power of God. And, 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 it did, and, and how foolish did Jesus look when he was hanging on the cross but when he rose from the grave and he walked through the door and said here's the nail scars in my hands and here's what the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave lives in you and he lives in me and if you'll just be willing to step out and say I'll be a carrier of the gospel I will be the one that through me I would introduce the world to Jesus that the spirit of God may throw, flow through me that out of my belly will flow rivers of living water I will release the miraculous in my life I don't care what the cost is I'm willing to look like a fool if it means that Jesus is going to do something great Mary didn't look like a fool anymore when Jesus was walking on water and healing the sick and feeding the 5,000. She didn't look like a fool anymore. She had spent years looking like, uh, looking like all the things that the world said of her. But one day when Jesus was being ascended into heaven, she said, I told you so. I told you so. I am declaring in your life that the power of God is at work for you. Would you be willing to look like a fool if it meant that God was going to do something great? What would it be worth to you? I love what Mary said. Her response, 16, 17, 19, I don't know how old she was. She was a teenage girl just getting ready to be wed. And here's what she said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. I want to speak this over your life today. I'm not speaking over you that the words of your enemies would come true. 
I'm not even speaking to you that the words of your parents would come true or even the words of your pastor. Here's what I want to speak over you. May every word that God himself has spoken over your life, may it come to pass for you. May not one fall to the ground, but may everyone breathe life and grow and produce fruit in your life. Everything that he said of you, may it come to pass. God wants to do big things with you. He wants to use you. He, he wants to use you to bring uh, uh, himself into the world that through you, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Would you be willing? Would you be willing to stand there like Mary did and say, I'll do it, God. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'll do it. I don't know what you've been praying for today. I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know what you're facing. But I am declaring in this church today that this fall is going to be a season of the supernatural. That God's going to do powerful and incredible things. Things that are inexplainable. Things that cannot be uh, written off to modern science or to coincidence. But God is going to do the supernatural in this church. Whatever you've been praying for, I'm believing that God is about to shift it and turn it around. Would you be willing to say, God... I'll do anything you've asked me to do. I'm willing to face the cost. I'm willing to look silly if that's what it takes, but I'm gonna walk by faith and I'm gonna declare your word in my life. Can I pray for you this morning? Say, Pastor Ryan, I I need God. I need the supernatural in my life. Just wave your hand at me so I know who I'm praying for, yeah? All over this room, if you're watching online right now, I I say, well, you can't see me, Pastor Ryan. I know but God does. Father, right now, for every hand that is raised, for every heart that is crying out for you, Lord, we are in need of the supernatural. We are in need of the miraculous. We won't try to explain it all away, but God, we declare that we will give you all of the glory. We will give you every bit of the praise and the honor. We will declare that you are God. Father, we are, I, I am calling faith to arise in the hearts of your people. I am declaring that faith is standing up in this room today. Lord, even if it's just the faith of a mustard seed, your son Jesus said that with it we could move mountains. So I am declaring that mountains in our lives are being removed, that obstacles in our way are being removed. I'm declaring that no's are being turned to yeses. I'm declaring that when a job didn't see to be coming available. The perfect job, the perfect opportunity is making itself available even now. Lord, I am declaring that marriages are being healed and put back together in Jesus' name. I am declaring healing for those in need right now for their bodies. Lord, I I am declaring that you are doing supernatural things and we're going to walk by faith, whatever it takes, Lord God, that through us, your son Jesus might be introduced into the world that the Spirit of God may be released. We will be carriers of Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.